my great privilege to welcome Pastor Sias. He loves very long, long introductions. He loves hours and hours upon going off and on about him. Just a quick question. Whose life has been impacted by the grace of God on Sias's life? <laughs> so Sias, we want to honor the grace of God on your life. There is something significant and special. The love of God, the goodness of God, and anointing to see people saved and mobilized and moved for the sake of the kingdom. We are inspired. I can honestly say over the years, I've looked at CS and I, I, I was like, Jesus, can I please have a little bit of what's on his life? And, and, and over time, the Lord is, is blessing all of us. So Sias is the pastor in Stellenbosch, senior pastor there, been a student pastor for many years as well, and impacted hundreds, if not obviously thousands of people. And Sias is a heart for the nations. He uh, has been to 40 nations preaching the gospel in 40 plus nations. And I'm super excited to have him share the word tonight. Amen. Let's stand again. Come on, let's stand and give him a clap offering. Come on, Sias. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a mighty shout in this place. Sure. Just give your neighbor a high five and say, wow, you're looking, you're looking so fresh tonight. <laughs> I definitely brought my biggest Bible because there's a lot of light. It feels like it's the second coming tonight for me. And, um, <clears throat> but sure, what a day. We've had such an amazing day. Um, starting with uh, Pastor John sharing this morning on the four eyes. Can you still remember the four eyes? Started with identity. Tell your neighbor, what's those eyes? Can you remember? <laughs> Inspiration. <laughs> Intimacy. Investment. Can you remember all of those? Yay. Okay. Then we had Pastor Ross, yo, the four C's, can you remember them? Oh, compassion. What was the second one? Shout it. Courage, confidence, and calves. Calves. Oh, yeah, yeah, the man with the calves, remember that one. Okay, great. What amazing opportunity. Um, sure. And then obviously Dr. Corner last night, but he takes, he doesn't need four things. He takes A to Z and then he scrambles them all around and you feel like you've been in a tumble dryer. Um, but so thank you for James and all the people. You can see all the prophetic art here. Uh, so if you can, while we were worshiping, they were drawing all these beautiful pictures. So if you want to check it out afterwards. Wow. And the band, let's give the band a round of applause. Yo, they've been amazing. Sure. There's also, we've welcomed them, but there's a lot of people from different nations here, from the Netherlands, from the UK, from Namibia, from Zimbabwe, from Burundi, from Bhutan, India, Myanmar, uh, who did I leave out? Um, huh? The Philippines, 
Jordan, uh, George, George, there. Okay, uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, crazy. Different nation that. But let's just uh, pray, Lord. <laughs> we thank you for yeah, just this place that you've come to touch our hearts. And um, Holy Spirit, you are so amazing, Lord. Thank you for your gentle, just comfort over this day and in this weekend, Lord. We are so drawn to you. And we pray tonight, Lord, that again you will show us Jesus. Show us the heart of the Father. We want to move out of the way so that only you will be seen, be heard. We are here. We want to listen. Speak to us. Reveal to us. Unveil us. And we want to thank you for the, your Lord, just the, the privilege we have to worship you like this tonight. Thank you, Lord. We are just so thankful for what you are doing and what you have done. We just bless you, God. We bless you. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, I mean, now I've got four Ps tonight. Okay. So I feel very in the spirit. Hallelujah. And um, so you won't forget. But um, I um, want to start with this story. It's in Isaiah. And we all have read it probably 40 times, but um, evangelistically 400 times. But uh, <clears throat> there's a, been a turn. And in Isaiah, I think he was one of the greatest prophets, the end latter prophets. And uh, we read a lot. And uh, he prophesied amazing things. He prophesied in Isaiah 54, sing, O barren one. He prophesied the, <clears throat> the four sort of poems on, on the servant king. And uh, we're going to end off this evening with the last one that we've all know, Isaiah 61. Um, but what, a, what a, an amazing man of God. And yet uh, there was a turning point, and I, um, I want us to go to that and uh, start with that. And the, the first P this evening is, is a very simple one. It's to be present with God, to be in His presence. We're talking about a love for the nations. And um, I, I think most of us, when we think like, oh, I, I, I need to do that. I need to have compassion. I need to sort of, you know, and, and then sort of we all go into a performance mentality. We think it's actually us that must make ourselves to love. <laughs> but, but you can't. Uh, James 1 says, hey, every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation, no shadow of turning. Everything that is good in your life comes from God. We can only love him because he first loved us. <laughs> we can only choose him because he first chose us. So, so when we, we come to that place of nothingness, then there's actually nothing we can bring to God. We only give back to him what he's already given us. And so we've read here in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uziah, or oh, where's the Indian people? Uziah, like this, okay. I don't know how you pronounce that name, but... Um, they are in front from Mumbai. Okay, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. Pastor Sam and Fiona, hi. The big man, the tallest man in the building. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he had covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Uh, the scripture is actually, the whole earth is full of his glory. Okay, there's an exclamation mark. I mean, can you see that? 
You know, some of us read it like, oh, the whole earth is full of his glory. But my Bible has exclamation mark. I see I'm with Dr. Corney. He's also got the New King James. Hallelujah. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. The vision of God. One of the few people that saw God. So I said, woe is me for I'm undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand, in his hand a live coal which I had taken with the tongs from the altar. And this is always why I stop and say, oh, there's going to be a lot of barbecuing in heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> tongs and the altar. Hallelujah. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. And your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. Sure. <laughs> you know, to be present with God means that you have that not just an experience, but you see God for who he is. Do you know how many people are afraid to go to that place? You know, in the, in the modern charismatic church, we have got a lot of feelings and consumerism. We have a lot of, it's all about what I feel and what I dream and what I think. But when you're really coming to the presence of God, would you agree with me? Your first reaction is, woe is me. I am undone. If, if that is not your reaction, then maybe you and I are seeing a different God. When you are seeing your utter nothingness before God. Woe is me. Here's these angels singing holy, holy, holy in the, you know, in, in the Hebrew language, it's, it has to say, say three. It means it's really, really holy. And have you noticed that the, that's what the angels say over and over. They actually had six wings and four of them was just to cover themselves as a, as a sign of humility. As say, hey, we, we cannot even receive everything, anything that God has because he's so holy. And they never get tired of singing holy, holy, holy. You see, once we've seen the king, once we've been there in that place of just, whoa, you say, woe is me. You see, we cannot talk about the nations because we'll go into a performance. We'll go and try and do stuff for God unless you've first seen God, you've been present with him. And you've been in his presence. And one moment in, your, in, in his presence will, will it's better than a thousand outside. Can you say amen? That was a good place to say amen. Okay, shake your neighbor and say, Okay. Okay, I know it's been a long day, but we're going to keep each other awake and accountable. Amen. Okay. Then to the other neighbor and say, We're going to do some African preaching. The more you say amen, the quicker the sermon is going to finish. Okay. Oh, great, great. Okay, some people want to go. <clears throat> I'm so glad in, in this um, conference that we, we're not fixed on titles because God is the only one that's got a title, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I actually want to tell you a story now that I think of it, but it's just between the two of us. Okay. <clears throat> if I find out that you told somebody else, I'm going to know it was you. Is that Okay. But so, you know, sometimes you go to different parts of the church and then they, it's always these titles and all that stuff. And so we had, I flew with some people to France and from there to Israel, from Israel into the Middle East. And we did a couple of things there. I 
praise God, I didn't know that if you, once you have an Israel stamp in your passport, you can't actually get into the Middle East. But we found out that God does miracles. And so we're going on this journey, come back to Israel. And this certain man that <clears throat> I thought like, well, this is, a, this is an amazing guy. He bought me this ring. There, you know, it's one of those rings that, it's not a small ring, it's like a big ring. You know, you walk like this. <laughs> you know, you sort of have to go to the gym extra just to carry that. So, so I was, you know, when he bought the thing, I thought like, oh, crazy, what does this symbolize? Because it had all these funny words on, and I said, no, no, I'll go, go to Dr. Corner or somebody just to translate or just check all this stuff afterwards. But I sort of had a check in my spirit, so I wasn't, I wasn't too happy, but now I received, I've learned to receive, I've learned to like, and so, yeah, and I, but the whole day, I just feel uncomfortable. The next day, we, f- we fly out, and I'm flying with three other pastors. And so, as, as we're flying out, I say, God, give me a sign, because I, I don't know why I feel so uncomfortable with, with this ring, because I don't want to walk around, and everybody looks like, oh, yeah. Should I kiss the ring? Should I wave the ring? Should I like, you know, because some people you have to, they call themselves kings these days, apparently, in some charismatic church, people, you know. Um, and so there's always like a deep apostle or a deep this or a deep that. But so, so I'm going in the, in, now there's a, there's a place that I dread. It is a, it is an airplane's toilet. I call it the white throne judgment. I mean, cause that place is so small. Have, have you ever been into an airplane's toilet? You feel claustrophobic. Okay. So, so as I, I prayed, I was actually sitting and said, God, give me a sign whether this, I, I don't know. Cause now I had this ring on cause I had to like impress the other people. Everybody was there and you walk around with this ring and I was, but I just felt like I wanted to go like this all the time to make a long story short. I go into the white throne judgment, sit there and I say, Lord, show me a sign. So the next moment there's a trembling, like in the, like a, you know, um, and it's, it's, it goes, no, but I, I've already finished my business, don't worry, okay? So I'm, I'm standing up, I'm busy washing my hands, okay? So I'm washing my hands. Um, and that thing that you have to press in the water doesn't come out, but in any case, because I've learned from the Western Cape, we need some rain and some water. So they press this thing and, and now this trembling starts. And as it goes, I get this sneeze. I want to sneeze and I, and I go, you know? And then the next moment, the plane goes like this. And as I go like this, the ring actually jumps off my finger goes against the mirror, but I fall to the front and I do this push button thing just to lean on it. And the, the ring goes, goof, 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 <laughs> out, somewhere over Iraq, you know? So I said, okay, Lord, I don't need a sign anymore. It's gone, <laughs> you know? I don't know why I'm telling this story, but just if I hear you tell, because I don't want that guy to find out his ring is in Iraq. But... Um, <laughs> The point I'm trying to make, in the presence of God, we are nothing. <laughs> there's, 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 hey, we're going we're gonna to take any crown and throw it before him. Woe is me, for I'm undone. But you know what he realizes after he says, woe is me, he says something. He says, but I also come from a people that has got unclean lips. You see, if you want to go to the nations, you have to let go of your culture and they're good stuff in every culture but you can't be an Afrikaner you can't be a Zulu you can't be a Bhutanese you can't be when you want to have a heart for the nations in the presence of God everyone is equal we are ambassadors for Christ 
And so, so he says, whoa, because I come from people that has got unclean lips. Eventually, God sends him to those people to prophesy for years. It was, a, it was a terrible time when Isaiah was called because that king, Uzzah, or the Indian version, Uzzah, okay? Do you know, he, were, he started reigning around about when he was 14 or 16 years old. He reigned for 52 years. A very godly king. But at the end, he messed up. And he died of leprosy. So it wasn't a good time when God called Isaiah. Isn't it amazing that God calls people when they're not at their best? <laughs> when you're under pressure, depressed, discouraged, disappointed. Then God comes to show who he is to us. And so in this place, there, he sort of says, Lord, not just am I undone, but there's a culture. There's, there's stuff in me that I, that I cannot, I, I must lay those things down. There's some habits, some, some things that, the way we look at God, the way that we look at each other, Pastor Andre said that. And then eventually we see this angel flying over, cleansing his lips, and he stands up and God says, hey, who shall I send? Who shall go for us? And then the most amazing words, here I am. You have to start with, here I am, all of me, here I am. He doesn't say, here I am, Lord, I will go. He says, here I am, send me. It's a big difference. Because the one is determined in performance and the other one, obedience. Because performance is about you, it's about me. What do we do? Obedience is all about God. And obedience can be something small to your neighbor next door, with the nation next door. And praise God for South Africa, we have 50 different nations right here. We don't need to go far. All of Africa is here. Amen, can I get an amen? So don't just think of there, start right where you are, but it starts in your heart being present to God. Turn to your neighbor and say, woe am I. Close your eyes, turn to God and say, here I am. I want you to close your eyes, say to God, here I am. Here I am. Send us, Lord. You see, when you're present with God, your lips is cleansed. You see him for who he is. The second thing, the second P, and now we have to rush. So once you've been there, there's a passion for God. And in the Revelations, we all know the scripture. I'm going to just refer to it. But in Revelation, it comes and it says that, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first work, so else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. You see where, and I love what Reinhard Bunker says, he says, you know, passion without compassion breeds fanaticism. Because we can be very passionate. The world out there is very passionate. But that's why any passion must be directed towards God and come from God. 
Otherwise, we psych ourselves up, but we get so emotional about things, it doesn't come from the throne room of God. And that's why it says, and you can read, you know, all these letters to these churches in Revelation, it's to Christians, and he says, those who have an ear to hear, those who can hear, listen. He says, I see all these great things, but you have neglected your first love, your passion for God, that moment when you've fallen in, in love. And I believe for, for many of us here tonight, we, we've lost that first love. Now, I've, <clears throat> I'm not intensely spiritual, prophetic with dreams and visions, but I think I've seen about like five visions in my life, like open visions. And last week I had one that I believe is applicable to every person in this room. I see lots of angels every day when my wife wakes up next to me in the bed. <laughs> sure, I'm gonna scoring there, hallelujah. Okay, she's at the children's church, so tell her when you see, okay? Tell her angel, okay? <laughs> But the vision was something very simple. It was like an open vision. The, the first one I saw was many years ago, but I went up to heaven and I sat on this little bunkie, this little chair, and then God walked over, this father figure, he walked over to me, he came to sit next to me, and he asked me a question. Do you know when God asks you a question, you don't answer quickly. He said, Sias, why does the people down there make me so small? when I'm so huge and he just put his arms around me and that was the vision I wept for weeks because I realized God I'm taking a God and I'm trying to make that God into my image I'm try, trying to take that God that will fit into my realm <laughs> into my culture into my ways of thinking but God doesn't fit there sir he doesn't fit in your paradigm he doesn't fit in mine he doesn't fit in South Africa The vision I had last week was Jesus was standing and there was a lot of sand and he was calling us. We were all standing on this side. And then as we started to walk, suddenly I realized that in the sand, there was a, there was a lot of water on top of the sand. And, um, and in the vision, I was reminded when we were in Nepal in June, we wanted to go and swim at a stage at this waterfall. And everybody just said, stay away from the waterfall because... The sand looks so nice to walk on, but when you walk into it, it's actually quicksand. Drive sand. Drive sand, okay? That's for the Afrikaans people. But you walk in it, and then suddenly it just goes like, it just sucks you in. And you can drown, because you can't move. But Jesus was standing on the other side, and, and so as I was walking, I thought like, whoa, this, this is exactly the same situation. Jesus is calling me, but now... There's this quicksand here in front. And I thought like, wow, that's what happened last time, so, so I'm, I'm not gonna go. I'm too afraid I'm gonna sink because of past experience, because of past discouragement, because of past disappointment. Maybe in church, maybe in God, maybe in his word, but he's calling us again. And whether you have to walk on water or quicksand, doesn't, you're not, you're not going to go down. Because when Jesus calls us, he makes provision. And so for some of us, we need to bring some of those things to God and say, God, when you call me, when you call us, here I am.
It's not determined by us or our past experiences. Can I get an amen there? But it starts with that first love because you have to look into his eyes. You have to say, yes, God, I'm coming to you. You are calling. You are saying. You are bringing. So that's why it's a passion for God. And it starts with our first love. Listen to this in Matthew, or Luke 12. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. You know, where's your treasure? That's the question I'm asking tonight. When we talk about first love, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. <laughs> Provide yourself money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Isn't it an amazing theme? When you begin to see, God says, let your lamps burn, the virgins, all the stories that we have in the revelations, we say, hey, some people, some churches don't know that sometimes their lampstands have been removed. The Holy Spirit has departed. But here God says, hey, put your treasure again, where your treasure is, there your heart will be too. He says, gird your waist, get up, stand up, like Pastor Andre said, stand up, it's a season for us, it's now time, some of us feel so discouraged, you feel like Isaiah, no God, the king is dead, whatever, this, that I feel disappointed, I prayed, he didn't come through, then God says, look to me, don't look at the prosperity, or the breakthrough, or the promised land, did you know when God called Moses, and the Israelites out, he said, come, bring the people to this mountain, to worship me, he never spoke about the promised land. Did you realize that? <laughs> he didn't say, come take the people out of slavery into the promised land. He says, Moses, I'm showing myself to you on this mountain because I want you to bring the people here to worship me. And then the people say, no, 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 God, we want to work through priests. We don't want to cleanse ourselves, all that stuff. But Moses, you hear from God. So what are the signs when we've lost our first love? We become familiar with the things of God. We become comfortable and disrespectful. We have a loss of intimacy. Things become so easy. We're following the status quo. We're doing same old, same old. But where, where's that faith? Where's that stirring in our hearts? It starts with the first love. You know, when, when Louise and I fell in love almost 20 years ago, April, it will be 20 years. I try to bake a cake for her. Some of you have heard this story. But I didn't know that when you bake the cake, don't open the oven halfway through. Because as I opened the oven, half of the cake went like, so I prayed. I said, Lord, you have to provide. But then I got a brainwave, icing. So once the time was over, I made three times the icing. So I built that cake up to square. <laughs> so I went to her, I said, this, this, I baked this cake for you, it's wonderful. But you know, I, I, I actually, I, I'm gonna give you a half, you can have the other half. I'll take half home. So I cut it right into the half where all this thick icing was and then the other was like, sure, I ate I, icing that it came out of my ears, but it was like, we made tea. I made tea for her, but I forgot to boil the water. Cause she's just like, Oh, wow, 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 oh, that's so beautiful, wow, 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 yeah, say it again, 
Then 3 a.m., say it again. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? When, you fall, when you're in love, there's something that kicks you inside. You're just like, it's like the first, you're the first person that has ever fallen in love. The whole world stops. You forget everything. But praise God for wives. They find your keys. They find your everything that you forget where it is. I mean, but see, how many times do we become familiar with God? How many times do we assume stuff? Just state this quote. We go through the motions and we lose the awe of who God is. You see, I, I strongly felt that I shouldn't speak just about the nations because it's easy to psych people up and say, go, go, go. But if you've not seen him, if you're not in love with God, and once you're in love with somebody, you begin to realize what's their heartbeat. What are they passionate about? It is the nations. God's mind, his thinking is about people. That's what Jesus came for. Can I have an amen? Sure. Have you realized that the only direct reaction in heaven to something that happens here on earth is when one soul, one soul turns to Jesus. Not our worship, not our jumping up and down. I'm not belittling that. Not our running around, going to conferences. All those things, they're great. And we love that. It's great. Fantastic, but there's only one reaction that heaven rejoices is when one soul comes out of darkness into his light. I mean, let's never forget that because you know what we, we do? The, the devil gets us to get so distracted that we lose the joy of our own salvation. But the thing that keeps your mind intact is the helmet of salvation, is the joy of I'm saved, I'm free. I've been set free by the blood of Jesus. I've got the greatest gift ever. I don't need more things or breakthroughs. I am free by the blood of Jesus, amen? Sure, thank you for enthusiasm, especially the 50 people on this side, okay. <laughs> the third P is when we go, Jesus said it so clearly, he said, pray for the laborers. Luke chapter 12, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease. Healing some sicknesses, maybe some diseases among some of the people. That's not what the scripture says. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. The thing that stirred Jesus, the Bible says he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And then he was moved by compassion and then he healed them all. You see, there's a lot of supernatural talk in the charismatic church. We want the healings, we want the breakthrough, we want the miracles, but we don't want to see. And it's only when you and I see, when we get out of that comfort, out of that place of I'm in control, telling God what to do, and God, I just say, God, here's a blank check. You take. You have to see the sheep without a shepherd. 
You have to go. And then once you see, you are moved by compassion. <laughs> the old King James says, bowels of inner mercy are being stirred. Something, you become, you come to that place of, of being vulnerable before God, like Isaiah was. Whoa, woe is me, woe is I, Lord. And then he healed them all. Saul moved with compassion, and then he healed them all. You see, we are great at pretending. We are great at sometimes doing artificial Christianity and playing church church. But I don't know if you realize that, but for all of us, playing church church is over. The onslaughts on the church of Jesus Christ is tremendous. The isms, the things, you know, those of you who are on campuses, you know, it's like young people are being bombarded with every ism. You know, that's why I send the people to summer camp, send them to the first year's camps where all these campuses are, amen? So that, thank you, Philip. I mean, that was an ad, ad break. I mean, <laughs> but we have to get young people into the presence of God, and we have to be authentic. We have to sometimes just say, "God, we don't know people. We don't know, but we know God." You see, it's not arguments that are going to persuade people. It's not our fancy intellectual things. It's the presence of God. <laughs> It's the moment when somebody encounters God and they realize like, wow, God is real. And that's why Jesus said, after he healed them all, he says, pray. Pray for the laborers because there's a lot of people that will go. There's a lot of people say, yes, yes, I'll go. But they don't realize that God sends them. I want you just to go and see. I don't know if some of you have been on missions to another nation. You're so, you get there, but you are so just out of your realm. You just realize like, I don't know what to do here. Jesus, and do you know what is the best prayer ever in your life to pray? Help! Isn't that true, huh? When you teach your children that, they just do that. I once taught my son that, and 1 a.m. he screamed, Help! He was sitting on the toilet. Help, Jesus! You know, no. I thought it's an attacker, you know. Somebody's attacking, robbing us, you know, doing. He got off there and he was healed instantly. I was still running around trying to get the attacker, you know. And I was just like... But isn't children like that? Aren't they like amazing? <laughs> there's, there's parents here, there's two of the two little boys. And so just one day at, I, at church, I said, I'm, I'm going to bring you ice cream. The next week, they ran. When they got out of the car, they ran to me. These two little small boys. And he stood in front of me and says, where's my ice cream? <laughs> sure, I had to make a plan quickly. <laughs> because I promised. I said, I wonder what he thought the whole week. I'm going to get to church. <laughs> I'm going to get an ice cream. <laughs> yeah? Sure, but how do we sometimes come to church? Oh. Some people have this idea that you're going to get to heaven like this. I made it, Jesus. Sure, I just had this jacket dry cleaned this week. 
it's much, it doesn't fit so properly anymore after the jacket. <laughs> when I got it out of the thing, I thought like, sure, something is like, ugh. But I can't be like Pastor Ross, you know, fit into the thing like. <laughs> cross fit. This is not a cross fit, this is an overfit. I mean. <laughs> Sorry, Ross, I repent. I love you so much. You are a role model. <laughs> so, in heaven, I'm going to have calves like those. <laughs> and I'm going to sing like James. Definitely. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, we're going to sing like James. <laughs> the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray. Pray that the Lord will raise up. It's not about church. It's not about just a nice experience. It's about becoming a laborer. It's about being moved by compassion where God takes ordinary people, takes them out of their comfort to a place where you are moved, where you are stirred, where you are broken, where you say, woe is me. Woe, I'm undone. And the people, Lord, you should actually judge us, but you are a merciful God. You're a good God. You're a holy God. I've, I've, my eyes have seen the King. My eyes have seen, and here I am, Lord. Pray that the Lord will raise up the harvesters. You see, we cannot minister to people if we don't realize our own brokenness. You see, we want to give to people stuff that we can't give them. We want to give out of our intellect. We want to give out of the overflow of our lives. But God uses broken vessels. That's the story of the Bible. God uses the brokenness that you have, the, the failure, the rejection that you went through. And, and when you can stand there and say, but I've got a story and I can give you something. When Peter and them walks past the gate and they say, well, money and silver and gold, I don't have, but what I do have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. I've got something. God has imparted something to me. I've, I've received something from God and now I'm gonna give it away. Receive it. And that's why we see an ex-church that just through shadows, people were healed. Just through one encounter. I don't have those things that you're really asking for, but I can see, I can see what you really need in the name of Jesus. This is what I have. Rise up and walk. We should stop playing church, church. The last scripture. You see, when we come out of that brokenness, this same Isaiah prophesies late in Isaiah chapter 61. You must read chapter 60, 62. All these chapters that would, would eventually, and Isaiah had great prophecies of King Cyrus that lived many years that would be God's symbol or act of salvation. That was a, a pagan king. He didn't even know God. And God said, I'm gonna use you. You're gonna rebuild and you're gonna restore isn't it just amazing that God is not looking for the fancy people? He even used in the Old Testament there a king that wasn't saved to do his purposes. The heart of the king is in his hands. Do we believe that? Do we believe that God can change and save that community that you're in one day? Do you believe that? 
Do I believe that? How big is our God? But see, we're not supposed to have faith in faith or faith in performance. We have faith in God because we've seen who he is. We've realized. So in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Speaking of Jesus, which he later quoted in Luke 4. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me. He has sent me. Here I am, sent me, Lord. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. God loves to make people beautiful. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Can you say that tonight? Can I say, we, we say we're a charismatic church people, but what we're actually saying is the spirit of the Lord is out there somewhere. The spirit of the Lord is at that conference. <laughs> Fall on me. Stir me up. Oh, no, it's here. It's at the drums. I can hear the, oh, the rhythms. And we run around. But what he says is the spirit of the Lord is up upon me. We don't, we don't run to get to the Holy Spirit. We don't pray that he falls out of heaven. Many of you have heard this story, but my most embarrassing moment, don't tell anybody was up in Nigeria because I idol worshipped Umreinat Bunker. So we're sitting there. I think Deval was still there. Deval, are you here? And Yako, I can't remember if you were there on that trip. But so now we <clears throat> up there and it's just us having breakfast with Jesus, angels, Reinhard Bunker. <laughs> so I thought like I'm going to walk behind him. If it sits on that chair, I'm going to just stand close. So that morning before we go out to this massive crusade, or he actually said it was small, it was just 1.5 million or some, something like that. He says to me, oh, who's the leader of the group? Oh, you. And so it was me. I was the leader of the group. He says, pray. Oh. <laughs> Lord, let your fire fall from heaven. Shake. Holy Spirit, fall on us now. And the next moment he said, no. <laughs> I didn't want to hear those words. <laughs> but in China, it means no. In India, no. In South Africa, no. We don't pray like that. That's what he said. He interrupted me in the halfway through my prayer. No, we don't pray like that. I'm saying, Lord, time for the rapture right now. <laughs> I said, God, this is the best time now. Pre, is it pre, post, trip, pre, 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 pre rapture. No. I'm going to die. 
So he says, no, we don't pray like that. We don't pray the Holy Spirit falls on us when the Holy Spirit is already here. And he says, pray again. Lord, <clears throat> I thank you that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Ah, <laughs> uh, we shall overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I just prayed scripture. I didn't even use and in between. <laughs> I thought like if I just pray scripture, he can't say no. So I, I think I prayed for three minutes. It was short, sound, to the point. I can't remember. It had nothing to do with the crusade, with anything out there. I just said, Lord, let your word not return void to you today. That's, I remember I ended, you know. It shall accomplish, it shall prosper in the thing that you've sent it today. Send your word. I quoted 10 scriptures. But that day I learned a valuable lesson. Don't pray when Reinhard Bonke is around. <laughs> pray scripture. <laughs> Back to God. No, no, we don't pray a Holy Spirit fall. It's, it's amazing how we sometimes do magic and we're in magic, but it's not the power of God. When we realize I've been sent, Isaiah's, Life is to go back to those nations, hard-necked, stiff-necked people, prophesy to them and just take the word of God. I'm just the messenger. But he saw the salvation of Jesus. He saw how God would bring back his people. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Although deep darkness may cover the earth, the Lord's light will shine on you. You see, it's easy to prophesy that when you're in a comfortable place. But God is not interested in your comfort, sir. He's not interested in my comfort. If you and I love the nations, if we love what God loves, you're going to live a life that is very uncomfortable. But it's so rewarding. It is so fulfilling. Because God will show you things. God will show me things. He will show us things. And sometimes he will break your heart. Sometimes he will stir stuff inside of you where you just weep. Remember being, this is where I got this jacket, by the way, in Iran, nation of Iran. <laughs> you can touch it later, but you're not going to get anything. Okay. Oh, I once had this guy in church. I had put my jacket down and then he came in a rush and he put on my jacket. I said, give it back. Sure. But the anointing isn't in the jacket, you know. Throw the jacket anointing, you know. Write a book about throwing jackets. Stop interrupting me. I'm making a point now. I forgot what I wanted to say. Oh yeah, well, this is what I want to say. So we're going to Iran and I'll never forget that moment where we were just sitting in the living room of these amazing Christians that have gone through amazing, just intense persecution. And the Lord said, today, you're not gonna, you are not going to pray with your words. You're going to pray with your tears. 
And I remember for three hours we were praying through just weeping before the throne of God. God started to break us. I remember the three days after that, we couldn't, we were just basically numb. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. You see, sir, there's an anointing that's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you to walk out of your comfort. It's going to cost you where God is going to begin to ask you and me questions. Sometimes when you're sitting there and you feel so overwhelmed and God takes you to a place where you feel so out of your comfort. And God says, that's where I want to use you. But don't bring your fancy words. Don't bring your fancy stuff. Don't bring your fancy projects. Bring your brokenness. You see, when last did you weep before the altar? When last did I break before the presence of God? When last did you cry out to God and you just said, God, I'm nothing. Woe is me. When last did he stir in your heart where you come, become so uncomfortable and you say, God, I don't actually even want to be here. When last did he take your heart and he started to move upon you? And then you say, here's my lips, God. Use it. I want to speak your word. I want to run away. So often I wanted to run away. I thought, Lord, there's so many people here. But God says, it's not you, it's my word. You see, when, when, when did you just stand there naked before God? And you say, God, this is me. Here I am. Here I am. I believe God is asking us tonight as a church. Here we are. We've laid down that thing. We've seen the quicksand, how it's taken stuff away and we've, been disappointed. We've been hurt. But God takes your hurt. He takes your brokenness. He takes that stuff. And it becomes a sweet smelling aroma to him. Don't run away from your pain, sir. Don't run away from the stuff, lady, that you just want to, you want to just shut that door and just say, I'm going to go on to prosperity land. I'm running away from that stuff. Now just bring it to God. Say Woe is me, Lord. But here I am. Because in the presence of God, the focus isn't on you. It's not on me. Everything is about him. Everything is about worship. And that's why we go to the nations. That's why the love of God stirs us. Because we want the nations to worship him. That's what the devil came to steal. And that's why he wants the nations not to stand before him. But God says every tribe, every tongue, every nation will represent him and stand there and bring a worship offering one day. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, to the glory of the Father. The whole earth is full of his glory. You see, if I don't see that. If I don't see what the angels see, then I'm gonna be trapped in my circumstances. I'm gonna be trapped in my surroundings. I'm gonna be trapped in the accusation, and the guilt and the condemnation and the shame that the devil wants to bring upon me because he wants to steal my authority. You see, we have an identity and then we have an authority that comes from that sonship. But he wants to steal that authority. He wants to take away our weapons and say, you disarmed. But the Bible says, God disarmed the powers of the enemy through the cross. He's wiped away the handwriting of requirements that was against you, was against me, against us. He's nailed it to the cross. 
It's been nailed.